0: Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guests. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 78 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Gabrielle. Gabrielle is from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where she's a retired Army clinician, and she has a private therapy practice, as well as being a mother of five. Welcome, Gabrielle. Hi, Jen. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you today. We are both coming to guests live from construction zones, I understand. Yes, I'm having work done in my house. You're having work done in your house. So everybody, if you hear hammering or sawing or crashing in the background, just ignore it (laughs) because life is going on in the background. Hopefully, everybody will be quiet. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm so glad that you're here. But I want to start by asking, as I always do, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: I started with intermittent fasting in May of 2019. Like most women, I had difficulty losing weight. I have two sets of twins. And so with each pregnancy, I got a little heavier. The problem was is I was an active duty officer. So you can't be too heavy. So before I left active duty, I lost, Fifty pounds using the the bead diet, Jen. I don't even think you know what the bead diet is. I don't. It's what? How, what? how do you spell it? What are you saying? It's called the bead diet. It's known as AccuWeight, and so it incorporates some intermittent fasting. It's based on little acupressure beads that you put. Oh. In, and then you fast until twelve. So it basically, from you know eight p.m. the night before till you know twelve the next day. And then you either eat a vegetarian diet or a milk-based diet. And that's what killed me was the milk-based diet. So it's yogurt and it's only like 20 ounces for the day, which is nothing. So, you know, it's kind of like you had talked about the HCG diet where you feast and you preload. Well, you kind of do that. So it was really unsustainable. And of course, I lost all the weight and then proceeded to gain it back and then some.
0: Yeah, that's how those things go. And I can't believe I never heard of the bead diet because I would have been like all over that one.
1: <laughs> I think there's somebody in the Facebook group who also did the bead diet with similar results. And it seems to be really popular in New York and New Jersey.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And you know, it's, and in some ways it's nice because it's, you know, food that you buy from, the, there's no special foods. You buy everything from the supermarket, but it just, you know, nobody can live on maybe like 300 calories
0: a day. Oh, gosh! no. Mm-mm. And you know, how long were you able to stick to that? because I i you know you know I did those restrictive things. I've talked about them. I mentioned it and delayed on deny. but my body couldn't take it for more than like three weeks, and then it would rebel.
1: Joe, so I'm going to be embarrassed to admit that I did it for six months.
0: See, you're this is the thing that I've heard from a lot of people who have more willpower than I did because I just couldn't do it. I tried and tried and tried. And then I felt like a failure because I couldn't do it. But then I guess I was listening to my body. I don't know. But I have admiration for everybody, which is, it sounds like, it might sound kind of twisted, but you know I admire anybody that could stick to it more than I did because I just couldn't. Does that make sense? Or am I sounding like a weirdo?
1: Yes. No. So I tried to go back to it. You know, we, we retired from the army and we moved back to Pennsylvania. I am from Bethlehem. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'll just do this again. I never could do it again. I don't Maybe yeah. Yeah. It's Pennsylvania food for all your listeners from Pennsylvania. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like the South, my husband's from the South and I actually lived in Augusta. Oh, you did at Fort Gordon at Fort Gordon. And I love Augusta. And Augusta is, a, Yay. it's an eating town. Oh, it is. Yeah. Anyway, I never could come back to it. And so I just, I kept looking. I tried, oh, so many things, except for HCG. I never did that. I went to a nutritionist. I did like the therapeutic weight loss. And I'm not like, I know you have a a lot of listeners who are a range of weights. I am never a super, super heavy person, but I'm heavy for me. So I'm 183
0: and my ideal weight is about 145. OK, but it's, it's enough to make a difference. You know, that's enough to make you feel really uncomfortable in your body. And when you feel uncomfortable in your body, you just really want to want to fix it. And it's just so hard to know what to do.
1: Yes. And, and then I had some medical issues that are nothing that's super significant. But when I was in Iraq, I fell out of a helicopter. It sounds much more oh, gosh. than it was. I mean, when you load in a combat zone and you're loading an aircraft, you do it with the lights out because you don't want that aircraft to be a gigantic target on the on the runway. And so we were loading in the dark and somebody had stuck up a footlocker and, and they're black and I didn't see it and I tripped over it. And I fell out of the aircraft and blew out two discs. And so I ended up having surgery and during the second surgery, a, the scalpel broke. So it is retained in my spinal column. The scalpel is? Yeah. Ooh, it's a risk of surgery. You know,
0: they do tell you like that could happen, but they can't remove it. Oh my gosh. So when you go through like a metal detector, you're like, sorry, there's a scalpel back there. Just <laughs> ignore that. Yeah, I have a card. I, I just, you know, that was the first thing that came into my mind. Cause they're like, I'm sorry, you're smuggling something in your spine that you shouldn't have. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're know, you smuggling the scalpel. Uh, that, But you know, I make light of it, but it's scary. Wow. So
1: when I am heavier because of that, scalpel and arthritic changes in my back, I feel worse. And it's harder for me to be agile and to move and more pain. And I, because I have small children, I refuse to take narcotics. So it's the army loves Motrin. We call it vitamin eight. Uh, So it's Motrin 800s. And so I was living on Motrin 800s for my back. And that's not great for your kidneys. But so losing weight, I felt a
0: lot better. Do you have the pain from that scalpel or is it just from the injury in general? The injury in general, and then
1: when I I was one of the first people deployed on the ground when we kicked off our war in Iraq, so back in 2003, Uh and we lived on what's called tray rations at the time. There wasn't enough food, and the food that we got was sporadic, and so think of a gigantic microwave dinner for like 500 Right. That's what we ate. But we only got one meal a day, and then they give you MRIs for the rest of the time. And I managed to develop a GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, and I've never been able to ditch it. And when I was thinner on the ACUB diet, I noticed my GERD wasn't as bad. So that was another reason to lose weight.
0: Those are all good reasons to to get get that weight down. So did the GERD is the GERD better when you do intermittent fasting, or do you still have it? It's amazing. I don't even take. I have been through every proton pump inhibitor, and I don't take anything now. That's great. That's what we like to hear. But yeah, it's so often linked to being heavier to having the, the higher weight GERD can be. I mean, there's other things that can cause it, but I just wanted to check and see. So you found intermittent fasting in May of 2019. How'd you find it? Yeah, Kim's book. Kim Smith. And then I was, of course, I like read it cover to cover. It popped
1: up in my Amazon suggestion. So Kim, I'm sure you're hearing this. I was inspired by your book. And then I noticed that she had a Facebook group. So I tried to join, but it wasn't active at the time. So I, you know, you popped up and I consider myself really lucky because I never badly fasted a clean faster from the beginning.
0: For anybody who's wondering that, that maybe just joining the podcast now and hasn't listened all the way through Kim Smith was episode one of this podcast, and the book that she wrote with her husband is called Unbelievable Freedom, and it um, tells their story and how they lost weight as a couple. So it's it's a memoir, but it's really inspiring. And she loves Gabrielle to hear when someone found Delay, Don't Deny through her book. That makes her very happy. Well, I totally did.
1: And so I, then I immediately applied to be a member of the Facebook groups, and then I was like, what's this clean fasting? What's this black coffee? Are they kidding? <laughs> We're not kidding. <laughs> you weren't kidding. And so I was like, you know, listen, I, I can do, I do a lot of things. I'm sure that black coffee is the smallest scent, you know, so I weaned myself off. I went down to a tablespoon and then that was just so miserable that I was like, screw it. I'm doing black coffee.
0: Right. Right. You know, look, you can go to war and you, <laughs> you can drink the black coffee, Right after all the stuff you'd seen yes yes it's totally yeah exactly it
1: was it was a small sacrifice and i noticed immediately as you know the weights started to come off so yep so i just kept clean fasting and i continue to clean fast today
0: when the weight started to come off, how quickly was it for you? Cuz you know a lot of people are just starting off at, at at any time and they're they're new to intermittent fasting and so what was your experience when you first started with that?
1: It's not fast. Like, you know, I know it's a diet with a side effect of weight loss, but it wasn't slow. I'd say I lost about 1 to 2 pounds a week. That's great. I've hit a screeching plateau. And we can talk a little bit about that, but So I lost 45 pounds total, you know, give or take, depending on the day. And I will confess, Jen, that I am a weigher. I weigh every day. But
0: I think of it as data. Yeah. I am not against weighing. I actually had a thought the other day because I, I think I had a little Christmas weight gain. I was eating a lot of cheese and drinking a lot of wine and my pants got a little snug. And so I've cut back on both the wine and the cheese. Now I'm back to normal. And my husband, I said, look, my pants are just, and he's like, yeah, I noticed. I'm like, oh, why didn't you say something? But I don't have a scale. So I had a fleeting thought should I get a scale and try and I'm like, no, no, I banished it from my mind because it would lead me to be, you know, overly diety. And I was like, I didn't need it because, you know, what I would just went through, I was able to feel my pants were a little snug and I was able to take care of it. But I'm not anti-scale. I'm not anti-weighing. My problem is I can't use it as just data. I still get those those emotions caught up in it. So I'm I'm a hundred percent fine with anybody weighing that can use it as data. And I wish that I could, you know. This is just me admitting to the world that I still just can't. And that's okay. I think everybody's different
1: and, you know, right. everybody walks a different path. And for me, so I'm, I am I kind of use it to see if there's foods that I'm sensitive in to. I love peanut butter, but apparently peanut butter doesn't love me. So if I eat something that's peanut based, I tend to go up a little bit. Rather than spending the money to do like everly well, I, I do the scale.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that's a great way to do it because... You know, our bodies do let us know with, you know, increased inflammation, puffiness, bloating, all those different things. We can really tell what doesn't work well for us. My grandmother was great at that. She would say, oh, you know, that doesn't agree with me. And she hadn't had any food testing. She just knew it. Yeah.
1: I can tell like if my rings get a little tighter, you know, or the scale doesn't move. I mean, I usually hover between 142 and 143, but then I'll spike and I'll be like, what did I eat? That's kind of how I use it. But I, I it keeps me accountable to me and it also
0: lets me look at trends. You're hovering between that 142, 143 mark. Is that, you know, really where you'd like to be? Is that a, a good... How tall are you? I'm 5'8". Okay. I would really like to be 135,
1: and so this is really interesting. And Donna, if you're listening to this, um, cover your... Ears. Donna D B. Yes. Yes. She's our big inner ADF person. So back in uh, Christmas time, I was like, I'm going to try ADF. I can do a 40-hour fast. Sure, why not? And I did. The problem was I would lose like three pounds. But then on the, re, like the refeed day, I would gain five. I felt terrible. Like I felt awful. Like, I don't know, maybe I was refeeding inappropriately or it was just too much,
0: but I was sluggish and tired and not me. I get it. You know, a lot of people love ADF and they, they it, and they, they love the way they feel and they, they realize they like it better than the daily eating window approach. And then some people just don't. I liked it fine when I did it. You know, it worked for me back in, you know, the early winter slash spring of 2016. But like you, I started to feel kind of sluggish on the up days, I didn't like that.
1: So I tried to play with it a little bit like, like well, maybe if I just have a salad for the lunch, then it won't like, but then I don't want it to be diety, but I, you know, right. raw foods, you know, to see if that makes a difference. So I might try that again, but right, you know, and I've been stuck, I'd say since November, I haven't moved up
0: and down more than a few pounds. Well, here's what I want you to keep in mind. Pay, how are your clothes fitting? Are they fitting exactly the same still the whole time too? Yes. Okay. Because that's the thing to keep in mind. When I got down to, you know, my initial goal weight was 135. And then, you know, I, I kept losing beyond that and got down to right around the 130 mark. And that's where I stayed. You know, I went up a little bit, then I would go back down a little bit, but it was still always around. I could not get into the 120s, even though at 5'5", five, five, I felt like 125 might be my quote ideal weight. Although really funny story. I just found out I'm actually taller than five five. Oh funny. I was curious it is really funny because I thought I might have shrunk. You know how people shrink <laughs> when they get older. So I was like, I asked my husband, I said, Would you just measure me? You know, I want to see how how tall I am. Maybe I'm only five four and I've always said five five. So he's like, You're actually closer to five six. <laughs> I was like right around five, five and a half. I was like, huh, why have I always thought I was five, five? Anyway, but I decided I wanted to be 125 pounds just because that felt like, you know, where I wanted to be. And I realized that even though I continued to get smaller clothes wise over, you know, a year, my weight didn't go down on the scale. So I just, I want you to keep that in mind. You may be at the point where your body's going to continue to lose fat very, very slowly. I mean, really slowly at this point. And you may never see anything below 140 on the scale, but go down, you know, a size or two in your clothes over time.
1: And I have. I went from, I'd say October, November,
0: I was an eight, and now I'm solidly a six. See, be patient with yourself on that. I mean, it might take you a year, and then you'll be wearing a four and you'll still weigh 143. I mean, that that's just what could happen. Because for me, my body really targets the fat during the fast. And well, everybody's does. That's what we're doing, you know, in that fat burning state. But I know that you're active, and I'm active. So we, we still do build some muscle. So just be aware of that let it happen slowly because what is your goal size your goal like and forget about the scale who like, let's say it never went down another pound from where you are what size would you like to be in clothes I'm thrilled to be a six my goal size was an eight
1: so when I left active duty I actually took a job for a short period of time as a government employee running a department for a friend of mine and I bought all these beautiful clothes. And they were a size eight. And I was like, oh, it's my dream size. So I saved all the beautiful clothes. They're all from Bowdoin. I'm like, oh, I'll wear them again.
0: Now they're too big. When you wore them the last time, when you were a size eight before, when you bought those clothes, how was your weight? I'm just trying to get a comparison because I have found I'm smaller at the same weight than I was in the past. Does that make sense? One, around 135. So see, those size eights were fitting you when you were 135, now you're 142, 143, and they're too big. Yes. So my lesson for you today is get away from that scale number because I had to do it too. And that is why I didn't get a scale, even though I was curious. <laughs> even, you know, it's been long enough. I I, you know, I thought maybe maybe I could be okay with the scale again, but then I really thought my way through it and said, no, I don't want to see. Like, what if I got on the scale right now and my weight said 135? You would, I'm going to tell you what would happen. I would start to think dieting thoughts even now, even though I'm sitting here in my size zero jeans, if that number said 135, I would freak out. I would try to diet. I would be like, oh no, that's not okay. I need to lose five pounds right away. But I don't. That's a good lesson for me.
1: And I think that's that's really important for me to keep in mind and not to be so, I I, I hate to say like, you know, data-driven. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, I love the Happy Scale. Oh, yeah. I love Happy Scale. I bought an
0: iPad just so I could use Happy Scale. Well, that's great. Well, Russ Shanahan, the creator of Happy Scale, will be happy to hear that you love his app. (laughs) I do love it. It is a great app. Yeah, so that's kind of where
1: I am. But I really did, I enjoyed the entire fasting day, but I do like eating dinner with my family. I feel that it's appropriate, it's important for me to model good food behavior around my kids. How old are they? So my twins, my younger twins are seven
0: and my older twins are nine. And then my stepson is 27. Okay, so yeah, you've got some young ones around there. So definitely I can understand how you want to model the good eating behavior for them. And show them that when you eat, you eat well. Yes. And I
1: also have stopped. So, we, uh, you know, I see this on the boards occasionally. I've stopped pushing them to eat. I have one child who's just not an eater and she likes breakfast. So I let her eat as much as she wants at breakfast and I try not to stress the rest of the day. I provide, you know, a lunch, I provide a snack, but if she doesn't eat it, I don't freak out about it. I think that's the best way to be, honestly. It took a while. It took a little bit of work cuz you know we're so indoctrinated to, you know, have to have three meals a day and especially for growing children.
0: And so we just make the healthy food available and if she chooses to eat it, great. Yeah. Children are born with those natural signals to stop eating and we just I just remember the same thing of when I was the mom of young kids, come on, eat this. You need to eat it. You're going to be hungry. Yes. And, you know, I come from, you know, two
1: cultures a Pennsylvania Dutch culture where you don't waste. And then my dad is Jewish. So it's all about the food. You know, if we're not eating the food, we're talking about the next food we're going to have. But once we were starving in the desert. So, you know, it's two divergent food cultures, but they have the similar purpose. And my mom was a finish the plate type of parent. And I right. a lot of my disordered eating or not disordered, but not listening to hunger cues comes from that.
0: You know, I still struggle with that. You know, I again, I'm admitting all my struggles today, but I do still struggle with finishing my plate when I know that I'm full. And so I've started serving myself a little bit less, just a little bit less. And I think it's helping because if it's on my plate, I'm, you know, even though appetite correction says, Hey, stop eating that. It's hard not to finish that plate. Right.
1: It's it's very hard. It's very hard. And one of the things that's been healing for me is to know that if I want it, I can put it away and come back to it at my next window, which I yeah. never considered before the group. So the Facebook groups have really helped me with that. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to put this away, and and then I'll, then chances are I'm going to forget about it. But then I know that it's
0: there if I want it. Right. That's a, a great way of of keeping yourself on track. Like for me, serving myself a little bit less. And then knowing I can have more later if I want to, if I'm still hungry, but I never am. You know, that's always enough. I don't need to go back and have more later, but it's there if I needed it. Yes.
1: And I I struggle, too, with appetite correction. Sometimes I don't listen to myself as much as I should. Right. Really try to pay attention to that. And that's all growth that has happened to me in the last six months.
0: Yeah, you know, and and like I just admitted, I don't always listen to it either because it's really a challenge. You know, you've waited all day, you've got this delicious meal. The process of eating is enjoyable, and you want to prolong that experience. But I, I've had to be honest with myself. And again, you know, my, my pants got a little tighter over the holidays. We're recording this in January, even though the end of January, even though it won't come out until April, but. I had to be honest, you know, I'm serving myself extra food. I'm eating really huge snacks with lots of cheese. I'm really, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of overeating. And so as soon as I was like, yeah, that doesn't work well, it, it made a huge difference. So even years into the process, we're still going to be finding ourselves tweaking.
1: Yes. And my bane is the universal yum box. So I know you do, you did plated and now I did
0: Marley and me. I don't know if you're familiar with universal yums. I'm not, yeah, Martha and Marley Spoon are new sponsors of my podcast and I am loving it. So I was sad for Plated to go. I didn't think I would ever um, <laughs> find anything I liked as much. But yes, Martha and Marley Spoon are awesome. So if anybody's interested in that, if you go to jenstevens.com, there's a link there on the favorite things tab. And you can save $80. Sorry, I had to put that plug in there. So tell me about about Universal Yum. Is that the name of it? So You would probably enjoy
1: this from your teacher aspect. Universal Yums is snacks from around the world and they're curated. So each month is a different country and they come with a book. So it's a great tool for children to learn about different cultures by experiencing it through food. And each food that they send in the box has an explanation about why that they chose that snack and why is how was it relevant to that culture? Blah 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 blah. And um, my kids enjoy it. And there's like little games in the booklet, and they usually take the booklet to school to share with their class. But when that box comes, it's like Christmas. I really struggle with the box, and I have to put things away, like you know, because otherwise, I would you know take the entire box out and annihilate it.
0: Right. Yeah. Snacks are tough for me too. I have to be careful with certain snacky things that I just really, it's hard to just not eat them. I know what you mean. So what what are some of the kinds of things they send?
1: So last month was Poland. So we're talking the, the January box. The January box was Poland. So it had like three different kinds of chips uh, this amazing gingerbread that was stuffed with apricot jam and covered in chocolate. Yeah, I can talk about that. Oh, yeah. You know, so a couple chocolate bars, some hard, they usually have like really interesting hard candy. And then they talk about why, the, you know, for example, they sent these gummies with like a jam filling and why Poles like them and, you know, facts about Poland. And I have a friend who's Polish, so I shot her a picture of my box. I'm like, look, look what came in the mail. And she's like, where did you get all of that? And she's like, yeah, that's our food. (laughs) That's our food. It has like a recipe in it, like how to make pierogi, which we in Eastern Pennsylvania love our pierogies. We eat them at football games instead of fries. And for your listeners who do not know what a pierogi is, think of a gigantic ravioli stuffed with like potato and cheese or
0: sauerkraut. Yeah, I've had those. Yeah, they're really good. I actually had had a Polish stepfather when i was a little girl my mother the dance teacher married a man with a polish his, his his parents came over from poland so yeah we had the kielbasa and the pierogi that that reminds me of of that period of time in my life it's good stuff and pierogi are great it's delicious and it goes right to my hips
1: oh yeah <laughs> they're so good They are so good. Yeah, so that's the box. But when that box comes, I have to really, you know, parcel it out. I used, you know, no one's going to take the food away. I think from the Army, we lose, We when we're in basic training and when you're an officer basic, you only have a limited time period to eat. So you have to eat a meal in seven minutes. And I actually, which is ironic, was once accused of having an eating disorder because all I would eat is eggs because I can't swallow fast because I just can't. And they're like, why are you only eating eggs? Well, because it's the only thing I can eat in five minutes.
0: That doesn't sound fun at all. I'm like a food lingerer. I'm a really slow eater. (laughs) My husband and I both
1: struggle with it. And we get frustrated with people who eat too slowly. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. with fasting, it makes me much more conscious of how quickly I'm eating it. And, and, you know, that the food's not going to go away, and then I won't get to eat again, you know, I can make the choice to put the food away, and then come back to it if I need to.
0: Yeah, that is one of the strategies that if you're, if you're struggling with, you know, the whole appetite correction idea, and knowing when your body is saying to have enough, a lot of it can be linked to eating more quickly than your body can register the food. So anybody who is struggling with that slowing down can really help. It made a huge difference for me. It's easy, easier said than done, right?
1: Yeah. I really don't like to eat in a rush. Like, for example, tonight my daughters have Girl Scouts, so I'm actually going to eat my my OMAD meal at lunch today so that I don't feel compelled to, like,
0: race them out the door and not eat appropriately. Yeah, that, that's a good a good strategy for that. But yeah, eating slower, taking your time, all of those things can help. Because really, you know, our bodies register the fullness in a delayed kind of a way, it, you know, it doesn't happen immediately. So for me, slowing down, not serving myself as much at first, you know, I can go back and have seconds if I want them, but not feeling like I
1: have to. Bert Herring would have a heart attack. If he saw army eating, he would have a heart attack.
0: (laughs) He would say, stop doing that. But it's hard to change your habits, right? That you've built up, you know, back to the chips and the snacks. I really have found, and and I really, his book, Appetite Correction, helped me understand why. But I have found that I have less appetite correction with those types of foods.
1: I think that there are several members of the group who really talk and have stressed that they need to have whole foods. And so I've, I try to adapt that. I try not to keep super processed foods around because I will eat them. It's for me, I love chips. I love potatoes. I'm, you know, a good Pennsylvania Dutch girl. Any form of chip is great. So I don't have them in my house.
0: For me, it's the ones that have like flavor dusted coatings on them. You know, I talked in delay, don't deny about Doritos, but it doesn't even have to be Doritos. I had some, there's this, gosh, what are they called? I can't remember these whole grain chips. Food should taste good or something, I think is the brand. And they have these whole grain chips that I really like. And I can get a big old bag of those at Costco and eat a few at a time and they can last me a long time. So the other day I bought this same brand, same kind of chip, but it was like a cheddar cheese flavor. For some reason, I just kept eating those. Just something in that powdery cheddar cheese covering. I just want to keep going back for it. I don't know what it is, but the plain ones, I can cap those in my cabinet. They're fine. It's so interesting. I hear you on that too. I really like, like cheese puffs. I love those. Yeah. Something about that dusty stuff. Even, you know, these are like, you know, high quality They're I got them at the health food grocery store. They're not Doritos. They're this good brand with this quality ingredients. Still something about that. And I'm like, oh, okay, I should buy the regular ones and not these cheesy ones. <laughs> I think cheese is a problem for me. I lo- I just can't stop eating cheese. So I love cheese.
1: I love cheese. And you have some really nice markets. And I don't know if they still have the bee's
0: knees in Augusta. Oh, we love the bee's knees. Yeah. When the moderators were here for the moderator retreat at the end of August, beginning of September, I took them to the bee's knees.
1: Oh, that's so funny. I loved that when I lived there and I could totally OD on the cheese. And then the bagel place was also with the omelet. I can't remember the name of the bagel place. The one on Washington Road? No. Yes. And there's also one downtown. But anyway, you know, anything cheese-based, it basically calls my name. So I have to be really careful. So I'm trying to do whole foods and higher fats, really good quality fat. My husband's a Texan, so I make guacamole whenever avocados are on sale. And here's a trick. You can freeze it. Oh. Some people don't know that. I didn't know that being from Pennsylvania, but you can make a beautiful thing of guacamole. And then as long as you seal it really well and there's no air, it will not get discolored and it stays bright green. In the freezer. That's a great tip. In the freezer, and then when we have a party, then we usually have guacamole ready
0: to serve. Oh, that's really good. It takes a long time to make, and it's uh, you got a lot of a lot of work. I mean, I guess I'm maybe not, but <laughs> it for me it feels like a lot of work. because, of course, we eat it so quickly. We eat it so quickly too. Yeah, we made a ton of it. My son Cal and at the time girlfriend now wife. We went to the beach this summer and we got all this guacamole fixings. We thought they would last us for days while we were there. We ate it all like in two hours. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah.
1: Yes. I have to be careful with that. I also have to be careful with alcohol. You know, a tiny little glass of wine is fine. But if I drink too much, well, I, and uh, for me, make I am sensitive to alcohol. So I usually stick to one glass of wine and then my weight will just go up.
0: Yeah, and same with me. It makes me puffy. And I also can't sleep when I drink wine, I've I've realized. I think that might be a feature of perimenopause.
1: Oh, uh, well, I was saying to my husband, my husband's a nurse. So I was saying to him that now that I'm in mer- perimenopause also, I've been having night sweats, and I feel like a fried chicken.
0: Like, I wake up. I'm also so, like, don't touch me. I'm so sweaty. It's true. Women who have not been there yet, you'll see. <laughs> When you're so sweaty, you have to, like, change your pajamas. It it sounds crazy. You hear about it from other... Or take a shower. Yeah. You hear of other women going through it, and you're like, no. that. (laughs) But it's true. Thank goodness intermittent fasting has helped me go through it, I think, fairly. It's not not been as bad.
1: I would say so, too. Other than the weird night sweats that make me feel like fried chicken, the rest of it is I don't have any other symptoms.
0: And I haven't had any weight gain. That's the part that's been really exciting because... You wonder and worry because I'm like, well, am I going to gain weight? Because so many people do. It's like given that you're going to gain weight over over this process. And, you know, it hasn't happened. So,
1: yeah. And you and I are about the same age. I remember your birthday was like six months after mine. So, you yeah, we're pretty much at the, at the same point in our lives. Right. So I haven't gained weight either. And in fact, thanks to IF, I we, did, we drive to Texas every other year and we have this gigantic white van and we stopped in New Orleans. And so I was able to eat all the New Orleans things. I had beignets, I had, you know, crawfish pie and jambalaya, and I didn't gain a pound. That's awesome. I was so excited when I came home and I was like, I lost two pounds.
0: Yay! (laughs) it just feels too good to be true sometimes, doesn't it?
1: It really does. Now, I don't know if I could go on the cruise and, you know, not gain. I think that I really have to be an OMAD person, but, you know,
0: I enjoy what I enjoy at my OMAD meal. I don't restrict. And see, you you might gain on the cruise, but it, it comes off pretty quickly. For me, it's always, it's very, a lot of bloat and puffiness and water retention. Like we were driving home from the last one and I was looking at my feet, you know, my ankles were really puffy I think a lot of it is also from the water on the ship. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because they like desalinate it. But it's anyway, I, I a lot of us have that that puffiness thing that goes on. and But it goes away pretty quickly. And by the last day, you're like, I don't want to drink. I don't want any more food. I'm just going to not eat right now. <laughs> and it feels so good to get back to the fasting.
1: Maybe someday when my kids are big, I'll be able to go on the cruise. Nobody wants to go on a cruise like that with two sets of twins. Trust me.
0: Well, you know what, though? You might be surprised because my boys, when we would cruise when they were younger, they loved it. It depends on you if they're outgoing, if they like to meet other kids, because my, my older one especially, by the end of the cruise, he knew every single kid on the ship. Even, you know, in in his teen years, he'd be like running with this pack of teens and having so much fun. They have really good kids programs on the cruises. For anybody who's not sure, we have, um, delay don't deny, an annual cruise. We're going to be going on our third one in June of 2020. And our next one, Gabrielle, is actually out of New Orleans. We haven't really publicly announced it yet, but in 2021, we're going to sail out of New Orleans.
1: I could also, you know, Shanghai, my sister-in-law, into taking the kids for the time. Well, that would even be better. <laughs> My husband's from East Texas, which I like to say is West Louisiana, which gets okay. irritated. So
0: yeah, that might be, that'll be something to look forward to and to plan for. Yeah. Put that in your mind. If anybody's interested, if you're on Facebook, you can search for a delay, don't deny cruise group. You have to answer some membership questions and join. And there's always information about the the next cruise that we'll be taking. Anyone who's listening to this now in, in April of 2020 there's probably still time as long as there's still room on the ship you could sign up to go and it's really a great time it's it's not like a seminar at sea although we do have some events like that where i I speak and i meet everybody and mingle and we do fun things and it's really just like a vacation with a bunch of intermittent fasters who are not really doing a ton of fasting (laughs) because you know we're showing the flexibility of the lifestyle
1: that's right And you also don't have to explain why if you
0: miss a meal, there's
1: nobody looking askew at you. Like, why aren't you eating? Exactly.
0: Yeah. I usually open my window around noon on a cruise. And then, you know, I have some kind of lunch, some kind of dinner. It usually ends up being a two-meal day with plenty of drinks in between. But like I said, by the end, yeah, I'm over it. And I'm like, all right, I've had enough. And that makes sense to me. The other
1: thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is my husband and I are both healthcare providers. So occasionally have the opportunity to bring up IF in our practices.
0: I love that. With
1: patients. I typically don't bring it up unless the client initiates the conversation about weight or anxiety. I found that IF actually works really well for people with anxiety. It sort of takes some of the noise around food out of their head and lets them concentrate on
0: other things, but it doesn't work that way with every patient, but you know, a good portion. That's great to hear. I also have heard of a connection between brain ketones or ketones in your brain and also anxiety and depression.
1: Yes, I think so too. I also feel that it gives people a sense of control, which also decreases anxiety. You know, a lot of my really anxious people have like, you know, emotions that flood them a lot of the time. And so when you take away the stress about food and you give them more control in their lives, which fasting
0: does, it helps them manage that noise. It's true. Someone who's close to me struggles with anxiety. And it is. It feels like a loss of control. And that everything's just happening around you and to you and that gets the anxiety up and going. So having one less thing to think about, food, one less thing to try to control, I could see how that would really help.
1: Yeah, it, it does. And uh, you know, the only thing that I, you know, am careful about is if I have a patient who has disordered eating. It's not the thing for them but for the rest of them, and I know my husband um, uses it with his family. He has a family history of diabetes. He is from the South. And so he has talked about fasting principles with some of his aunts and uncles. I think we've talked about on the podcast before and in the Facebook group that some older people just do fasting as a lifestyle. Right. Naturally. Naturally. Right. But my mother-in-law claims that she's hypoglycemic. We believe she's really diabetic and she's lost her eyesight. Oh no. So, you know, my husband, you know, she's never going to get it back, but she could be more in control of her blood sugar.
0: A lot of people who are hypoglycemic, I was... Basically, hypoglycemic when I used to eat all day long because my blood sugar would crash. I was on that blood sugar roller coaster up and down and up and down. And so a lot of people who are trapped in that cycle of constantly feeding yourself to get that blood sugar back up and then it crashes, fasting actually smooths that out. And that's the part that is unbelievable. So people who feel like they can't do intermittent fasting because their blood sugar is too reactive, this is probably what's going to stop that for you. And and what I have patients
1: do who are interested in it is have them do something really simple, like a twelve twelve, Right. So that they know they're not going to starve to death. And then, you know, if they're comfortable with it, then they move to maybe like a 14 and then to
0: a 16 and then to an 18. Right. Ease yourself in. You do not have to try to do it all in one day. That is so important because a lot of people, they're like, okay, I've decided to start and I'm going to have one meal a day and I'm starting tomorrow.
1: Yes. And that's just setting yourself up for failure. And one of the things, it's a lifestyle. So, uh, you know, it's been really important for me to realize that my body going to continue to change even if the scale doesn't go
0: down. And what looks like today is going to be different a year from now. That's really true. And you're going to continue to have to tweak. And so, you know, as I said, we're recording this at the end of January. And, you know, people who have been fasting a long time, even like me, had a little, rebound gain over the holidays. And it's very normal. And just because you do intermittent fasting doesn't mean you can take your eye off of what's happening in your body because you still have to keep tweaking. I still have to keep tweaking. And again, I'm not denying myself cheese. I'm still having cheese with my meal. I'm just not having a giant cheese plate because I'm like, ooh, I was overeating that cheese. you know. And so we just have to keep tweaking and changing all the time even in maintenance and as we go.
1: Yes, I find that you do better if I do not have a snack, even though I love snacks. You know, if I just eat the dinner and, you know, eat it liberally and, you know, be careful and listen, then I tend to have a lesser weight gain that day or lesser fluctuation, I guess is the better word.
0: That makes sense. And it's really important. You know, everybody needs to figure out how they feel best. For me, I have to snack first because I can't eat enough in one meal. Like if I don't snack, I get full really fast from the meal. And then later, I'm like starving and I can't sleep. But I'm at a different point. I'm not, you know, trying to lose weight right now. So no,
1: you're doing great. I mean, and it's very inspirational. I love when people post the pictures in the Facebook group. That's my favorite. Me too. I love it. The transformational pictures or even, you know, maybe they're not done yet. But, you know, there's so much of a change or and especially the
0: behavioral health changes. I love to hear about that. Yeah, I think so too. And the fact that people just feel so much better, not only physically, but the mental emotional side of things like you're talking about that you're you're seeing with your patients. Yeah. So the
1: sense of control and the sense that they don't have to spend $300 on Jenny
0: Craig or Nutrisystem. They have all the tools they need right in front of them. Exactly. Although Fascinating side note here. Have you been watching the new commercials for Jenny Craig that have come out over the since the holidays? They're matching you with your DNA profile or something, which I was like, awesome. They're getting it a little bit. No one size fits all way. That actually, I mean, you know, I'm not going to recommend people go do one of these weight loss programs because I think you should do intermittent fasting. But the fact that they are doing some sort of DNA analysis and then matching the foods to your results. I'm like, that is such a positive step.
1: It is. That's really exciting. And it sounds like they've they sort of gotten on the trend. I did the food profile, sort of like what you did, the food DNA. And I think yeah. we may be like sisters from another mother because mine is very similar <laughs> to yours. You know, I have a lot of British Isles in my past. You know, I like my bread. I gain weight on
0: keto. I'm probably the only person in America who doesn't do keto. No, me too. Well, you know, me too, because too much fat doesn't work well for my body. And, you know, we've gotten that whole... Eat more fat, fat is good. You can't overdo the fat. But that is absolutely not true for my body. If I overdo and eat eat too much cheese, I mean that's a very highly concentrated source of energy. It's too much food.
1: Yes. Yeah, I have the same problem. And I have to be careful of that and be aware of that. And interestingly enough, some vegetables don't seem to like I will if I eat a lot of broccoli, I will gain. So that's, that's interesting. When I talk about using it as a tool it's like, Oh, I seem to maybe it's inflammation is probably what's going right. on. Like, Oh, I'm inflamed by broccoli, you know, where I don't have a lot of discomfort. Like my mom is very sensitive and she's like, Oh, I ate this. And you know, now I'm going to be laid up for like a week and a half. I'm not that person. I have a stomach of steel. So I don't have the cues that, you know, certain people who could say that doesn't agree with me. All I
0: know is that my weight changes you see it puffing up yeah that's a great I way puff up. To, yeah for me it's chicken that does that but i still eat chicken every day like all the time not every day <laughs> i eat a lot of chicken just because it's an easy protein and my husband really likes it and i like it too but i do puff up a little bit from chicken
1: it's all about you. And I don't remember who it was, but one of your guests, you know, talked about like, well, you know, what I did is not relevant to you. And I remember hearing that and thinking, well, that's kind of harsh. But then I was like, you know, she's right.
0: It is, it's everybody's journey is individual. Yeah. Because to say that broccoli is, does not work well, you know, you could write a diet book that ca- call it the end of broccoli and tell everybody not to eat broccoli because, <laughs> you know, you've noticed it makes you puffy, but that's wouldn't be relevant to other people. Exactly. And I love broccoli, but I just, when I choose to eat it, I know that I'm going to react in a certain way. And, you know, other people would read your book, The End of Broccoli, and they'd be like, oh my God, that's exactly how it works for me too. They'd be like, this is the best program ever. It's the, you know, I'm making a joke there, but you get my point.
1: I totally get your point. Well, it's, it goes also back to um, when we were talking about coffee. So you were saying that you can't go to Starbucks and have the nitro. I don't react to nitro, but I react to Wawa coffee, which if you see the Northeast, you're like, oh, that's terrible. You know,
0: that you, everybody loves Wawa. I can't have it. Right. That See, but we, we, once you know what the clean fast feels like, you know when something doesn't work for you. And people often ask, you know, how do you know? Let me take a minute to explain it very quickly. When I have, and and tell me if this is how it works with you with the Wawa coffee. When I have the Starbucks Nitro cold brew, they actually say on their t-shirts that they're advertising, creamy without cream, sweet without sweetener. So when I drink it, my brain's like, ooh, this is sweet and creamy. And so my body releases insulin. And what does insulin do? Well, we know from knowing what happens with diabetics, insulin lowers your blood sugar like it's supposed to do so because my blood sugar is you know cruising along at a normal range then the insulin release causes my blood sugar to crash I get really shaky and starving and ravenous I would not notice that however if my blood sugar were not at a normal range like for the people who have really high blood sugar you might not notice it going down so that's the little caveat I like to put in there because people like well I drank it it didn't make me feel that way well maybe it lowered your blood sugar but you didn't notice Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really important. I actually never considered
1: that, but that makes perfect sense to me. So when you drink the Wawa coffee, is that what happens to you? I get really hungry really fast. And then I'm like, I will white knuckle it. I usually do a 24 window. So, you know, I fast for 20 hours and eat for maybe two. So it's not even accurate to say four, but 22, but I eat at the 20 hour mark. I just have a shorter feeding period. And yeah, I am white knuckling it and I look like I'm going to die.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've had that happen two other times, not just at Starbucks, but it happened one time at a McDonald's and it was very obvious. And it happened one time at my son's college graduation. It was just whatever they were serving there. And you, it's really striking. I mean, I drink coffee every day of my life and I don't feel that way. But when it happens, you're like, okay, my blood sugar's crashing. And you could just feel it. But if your blood sugar is already high, if it's really high and insulin is released and you lower it, you're not going to feel that way. So just keep that in mind. It's not, it's it all, that little test only works if your blood sugar is normal. Wow.
1: Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery.
2: This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text pod to 500-500.
1: Okay, that's really helpful. I'm going to save that one and file it away in my toolkit. And that's one of the things I love about the Facebook group is I'm always learning new things.
0: Yeah, me too. i just think back to what I didn't know, like, Even when I wrote Delay, Don't Deny, I didn't know that all back then. (laughs) It's kind of embarrassing to admit. That makes me feel
1: good. Well, we're always ever evolving
0: and we're ever learning. And truthfully, some of the things that I didn't know back then, nobody knew them. Well, I mean, I guess scientists knew them, but no one was talking about them to the degree that they are now. Like, for example, measuring your ketones. People are still learning about all that. That wasn't, people haven't been doing that for, for a long
1: time. Oh, it makes sense. I still, I had gestational diabetes with both my pregnancies because I was carrying fraternal twins with two placentas. And so I found my blood sugar kit from my pregnancy the other day when I was cleaning out my closet. I'm like, oh, I should check, check in my blood sugar just
0: just as a self-reflection
1: tool. So yeah, that's something interesting to know.
0: It is fascinating. And I, if it were easy to get one of those continuous blood glucose monitors and you didn't have to get a prescription and go through all that, if you could just order one and get it, I would have done that already. But I'm fascinated ever since I saw that video about, I have it linked in Feast Without Fear that shows that we all have a personal glucose response to foods that, you know, not just, you know, the glycemic index shows what happens to everybody, but your reaction is going to be different from mine. And so figuring out what foods cause your blood glucose to spike could let you know what foods don't work well for your body.
1: That's really cool. And
0: I love that. I just learned that. So I'm going to definitely try that out. Yeah, because some people, for example, like like they had these test groups of people and they would feed some of them and they fed them the same foods, but some people would respond, for example, to white rice badly, whereas other people, white rice was just a barely a blip for them. And so they're like, oh, <laughs> it's not the same for every person. It has to do with your genetics. It has to do with your gut microbiome. But... You know, if anybody says, oh, well, of course, white rice is bad for everybody. Well, not everyone has the same response to it. So this whole idea that we respond differently to different foods, I think is really it, we're on the cutting edge of it. And eventually we'll all just assume that everybody always knew that. But right now we don't. But we're getting there.
1: I have learned so much about my body through this process that it's actually been invaluable it's very transformational. I never thought that fasting would teach me so much, but yet it does. It, well, I think it eliminates a lot of noise and allows you to sort of distill down, you know, how you react to things, especially for people like myself. We don't have a lot of cues otherwise, like I don't get stomach upset or, you know, I don't have restless leg. So it, it's been very helpful.
0: It's really helped me a lot. And, and even, you know, knowing how you react to something at one point may change. For example, the wine, it's not working for me well in this season of my life. And a lot of women who have you know, I've talked about it in the Facebook group, a lot of women who have already gone through menopause and they're on the other side, they're like, yeah, it was like that for me, but now it's better. So maybe one day I'll be able to have a glass of wine every night and sleep. But <laughs> now is not that time. I do enjoy wine. Oh, here's a funny story. I decided that I would try some non-alcoholic wine because I was like, I just really miss having a glass of wine with dinner. That was no bueno. Nope. (laughs) I did not like it. So the
1: army, when we are deployed, they like what we refer to as near beer, which is not not
0: with alcohol. It's, yeah, I have the, it's terrible. I like, apparently the alcohol is part of the flavor that I really enjoy. So nope. I actually poured it out. I tried it, but it, you know, it was in the glass. It was beautiful. It was a Cabernet. I was like, this is going to be fab. No, it was not fabulous.
1: (sighs) (laughs) Oh, well. Yeah. Sleep is more important. Sleep is important. And when I do ADF, I don't sleep as much. And so I start my day, I see patients from overseas. So I start my day at 5am. I see my first patient 5am. And so I do five and then six. And then I take a break for getting my kids up and out the door and breakfast. And then I don't come back to patients until you know 11. I'm exhausted by nine. If I lose that ability to sleep, I just
0: am not as functional a therapist in the mornings. Right. That's key. So yeah, sometimes we have to make tweaks and changes in certain seasons of our life to get that sleep that we need. So. Exactly. So you talked earlier about pain, that you struggled a lot with pain in your bag. How has intermittent fasting helped that?
1: I think that so the decrease of inflammation has really decreased my pain. I used to really like be stiff. I mean, of course, I'm never going to get rid of that scalpel. I have a spinal stimulator. I don't like it. So I typically don't use it because I would find, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's like a black box in your back and then it's, it's electrodes and they emit an impulse that disrupts a pain mechanism. But the problem I had with mine was I'd like go to the dentist and it would like start zapping me, even though I thought I'd, oh no, and I'd be like laying there, like jerking around in mine is probably a pretty severe story. So I just stopped using it and I don't really need it. I don't need my vitamin M, my Motrin. I do pretty well. I, you know, there are some days where the weather is cold. I become more sensitive to cold in my old age, but you know, I feel hundred percent better. I'm fluid. I'm flexible. I can run around with my kids. I could chase them. So, you know, it's all good. And I think that IF is really, that's what it's done for me.
0: That's fabulous. Well, we are almost out of time. So what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting, or is there anything you wish you knew when you had first started? Well, I was really
1: blessed because I didn't know, I knew immediately about the clean fast. I would say, really listen to your body. You know, your body is going to tell you what it needs and your job is to figure that out. And, but it's not an overnight process it's ever evolving your body will change as your life changes like we talked a lot about menopause as you go through menopause things change so you may have to readjust and continue to tweak but your body talks to you and you know you can figure out what it's saying that's like most of the battle and i would also say be kind there is you know a lot of times we'll like we'll see people say things like oh, i slipped up oh i ate two meals a day instead of once you know tomorrow is another day you could just go back yeah. to it life happens you know i know every yeah. day is not a festival. Some days you have more social stuff than others. You just adjust and you keep going. You keep
0: putting foot one foot in front of another and there is no failing. I love that because people are often so hard on themselves. You know, we see it every day in the Facebook groups. You know, I failed, I fell off the wagon and and they, they beat themselves up because that's what we're used to doing from all that diet mentality. Yes. In therapy, we talk about that and we talk
1: about cognitive distortions. And one of the things that I always encourage my clients to do is to talk to themselves, use the voice that you would talk to a friend to instead of the critical voice you talk to yourself with. That's a good strategy. Yeah. As you have that dialogue with, you know, yourself, you're talking to a friend and you're kind, like you would be talking to a friend, not beating yourself up.
0: Well, on that note, Gabrielle, thank you so much for talking to me today, and I really enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you, Jen. It was a pleasure talking to you, too. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's g-i-n at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the
2: podcast.